Hello, this is Angela Schaefers, the host of Your Story Matters radio show. Today we have guest Tamara Cucciara, and she is here to share about her amazing journey and being a part of Dining for Women. She is the West Coast Regional Manager for the organization, and she wants to share with the listeners about the organization and how she came about being a part of it and the impact that it has worldwide. Hi, Tamara. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hi, Angela. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. I would like to say that about a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit longer, I was really searching for something with meaning, something that made me feel more connected, I would say, to not just our nation, but globally. And I was about to have back surgery and had to take some time off and I was going to have a long recovery. And so mm -hmm. my concern was maybe there's something that I could do while I'm recovering to give back so it's a positive experience for me versus just home struggling with um, a back surgery is what I had. Mm -hmm. Wow, I love that. That is really a great idea and a great thought process to have because I know having had different surgeries myself, sometimes we get in that mode of feeling depressed and lonely and we just don't feel that worthwhile because we can't do what we were normally doing or even you know the physical part hinders some of the day-to-day -day activities so that is really cool I love that can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself as far as your journey um, from you know your career and then leading kind of up into this position uh, okay I I'm a mom of two adult children and I've got two beautiful kitty cats. I just got married just this last April to my long-term boyfriend. Congratulations. Thank you, who I met on Match.com, so that's a successful story. Awesome. <laughs> and pretty, I, you know, my whole life, my paternal and maternal grandparents were always involved somehow in giving back to society. And mm -hmm. my paternal grandparents had a restaurant in Oakland, California, where every day they would feed the homeless all the leftover foods and soups and breads. And as a child, I grew up watching that, and I loved being part of it and meeting people and knowing that we were helping them. My maternal grandparents did it more from their church experience involved in the community. And so I um, had my children, and that was my focus, and then I went back to college and got a business degree with an emphasis in global leadership mm -hmm. and worked my way up in academics where I was a director of a college, helping students with their career and helping them with a path and keeping them motivated and excited for the end of their education and helping them launch a career. And that was very successful, and I was doing that for years. Mm -hmm. prior, prior to that... I worked in the TV business. I also was a social worker. So I've done many different things, but my joy of all of my career has always been I'm serving someone else. Mm -hmm. my, that's what always made it feel worthwhile. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, and that's a wonderful background that you have because I know that, especially when we're young, the appropriate role models to show us what it means to serve and to care and give to others is really, really valuable in, you know, implementing that in the future in our own lives and then in our kids. 
So how did you find out about Dining for Women? I know you said you were on the search, so to speak, for something to do while you were recuperating. Was there a particular way or something in particular that, you know, drew you to that organization? Yes. It's kind of a funny story. About two years ago, I was interested in looking at this beautiful vacation home here in Capitola, California, knowing I really couldn't afford it, but I just kind of like to go in and look at beautiful mm -hmm. homes. And there was this charming British woman who was um, hosting the open house that weekend, and her name is Sally Bookman, and she happens to be our chapter leader here in Santa Cruz County. And she and I just connected immediately, and we talked about the house. She didn't really talk to me yet about dining for women. She followed up with me a couple of months later just to see how things were going, and then we, our conversation just became very personal. Mm -hmm. And we connected because her son had just had a major back surgery, and so she and I were chatting about that. And then I talked to her about looking for something, and she said, well, here it is. Wow. I'm the chapter leader. Yes. And she invited me, and the moment that I met with these women, there was probably 50 of them at the time mm -hmm. in someone's home, I just, the, the, the excitement and the synergy of this collective group of women with one mission, and that is to help other women and children in the world, then that just started my journey. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love to hear when we have those divine appointments, that's what I call them, the meeting of someone in particular or getting a piece of information via mail or email or whatever that just sparks off a whole new future for us. And I think that's really encouraging and inspiring to share with other people is that we have to keep our eye open because sometimes the very thing that we're meant to do comes to us in different ways or through different people. And, and it's really cool that you were able to pursue that and then find what sounds like your passion. I was very blessed to stumble upon that, looking at, obviously at a house that I had no right even to think that I could afford, but just engaging in the beauty and the dream led me to something much more powerful that has really impacted my life on so many levels and continues to, that I, it's the best thing I think I've ever done in my entire life. Awesome. So tell the listeners then, what is Dining for Women? Give us an overview of what exactly the program and the organization is about. Dining for Women has a very unique, what we call, collective giving circle. I think that's what is very powerful about Dining for Women and sort of puts us in a spotlight where we kind of shine more than the average nonprofit grassroots organization. So we work with international nonprofits to every month. So the way that this works is we handpick, usually out of 50 to 60 nonprofit organizations, apply to receive our monies, our grants, monthly. Mm -hmm. So we choose one featured program each month. Last year, for instance, we were with um, Cambodia Somali mom who was a survivor of sex trafficking that her own grandparents put her in and ran, and she escaped when I think she was 12 or 13 years old and went to a safe house mm -hmm. and realized that thousands of women were being taken from their families as young as nine years old mm -hmm. and, and human trafficking. Mm -hmm. So 
we sponsor programs like Somali Mom where all of us women throughout the United States and two other countries, Canada and Mexico, where we all meet once a month in someone's home Mm -hmm. and we watch a DVD so that we learn about different countries, regions, and what the women's needs are and their families and children. Mm-hmm. If we, don't, we don't go in and push our Western way. We meet with the featured program director each month, find out what the needs are for the women, whether it's health care, education, setting up safe houses, uh, setting up their own microfinance business, and then we watch the DVD each month, and then there's a presentation. It can be formal or informal. Mm-hmm. And then we all collectively donate whatever we can afford or whatever we feel compelled by that program that month. And we can raise, I think, BOMA last year, the BOMA fund, we raised over $40,000 in one month for that particular program. Just wow. in meeting in someone's living room, And the other fabulous thing is that our website is full of information, food for thought, where we learn about the ingredients that the women cook Mm -hmm. in each region, and then we all cook or pick up food similar to how these women eat with their families, and then we bring that food and we meet every month and dine together and learn together and know that our dining dollars are going for something good versus just going out to a restaurant mm-hmm. and eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I was reading up quite a bit of information on your website. Great website, by the way. Um, it just is an awesome way to really connect and experience the whole idea and feeling of what you're trying to do and what the organization stands for. And so I really thought that was impressive. You You are correct in saying that it's very unique as far as a way to approach others and to bring in funding and then to find various nonprofits and groups who can use the funding and who can really not just benefit from what you all are giving, but then give something back in teaching women and people around the world about something that they would have never known about and were not able to experience having not been there, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And that was probably one of the draws for me because I really value education, Mm -hmm. and here we have these developing countries where women aren't entitled to education. So here we're learning about them Mm -hmm. and their struggles and their heartaches, and at the same time, we're feeling empowered because even $5 goes so far in a developing country. Mm -hmm. $5 can keep a family sheltered for several months. Absolutely. That makes sense. And a lot of people, I think, still don't realize the impact that a small amount can do, especially, as you said, when you bring it together collectively. Can you tell the listeners one or two of the most impactful um, stories or situations that you have experienced in your journey with Dining for Women? One of the programs that we were working with, I believe it was the beginning of last year, was we were helping a, a featured program in Haiti. And when I watched this video, I really had no idea that the girls were not allowed to go to school during their menstrual cycle mm-hmm. and that they were not allowed to have sanitation, napkins, 
things to keep them sanitized and clean so they would still, in the 21st century, have to, they would not be allowed to go to school. They would have to hide and not come out in public mm-hmm. if they were on their uh, menstrual cycle, and they could not let anyone see that they were. So they would have to share the same cloth there that were not clean or sanitized. Mm. And this was creating infections, keeping girls from education, as well as they had no hospitals near them to give birth to mm-hmm. their babies and they also they called it I think it was the death barrel where a woman when she went into labor would be put like in this wheelbarrow and they would travel five to ten hours with the woman in the wheelbarrow to get her to some kind of clinic to give birth to her baby and often she and the baby or the baby would die by the time that they got to the hospital mm-hmm. so our monies went to them, and that, for me, was a real rude awakening on how so many women and children are mistreated still today. Mm-hmm. So that was a huge impact. Mm-hmm. The other one was Somali mom, and the in Cambodia is one of the largest sex trafficking organizations in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I found out that girls, even as young as three years old, were being victims um, with, with in, within this human trafficking, and they called it the cage, and they take girls from their families in Cambodia, lock them up, and drug them. It, it, it was, I'm a, a female, clearly, and I have daughters and nieces and goddaughters and girlfriends, and for the, the thought of innocent girls being used in sex trade, and also being sold as virgins because that was a really good marketing tool they used because men believe in many countries that if they have sex with a virgin, they're not going to get AIDS. Mm. And so they would then re-sew the little babies and girls up and resell them again Mm -hmm. as virgins. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I could really sleep for several weeks after watching the Somali Mom Foundation and understanding what was going on in Cambodia. Those two really impacted me. Mm-hmm. I can imagine, and I can totally relate to what you're saying. Of course, just sitting here listening is you know, having an effect on me. I myself being a woman and having daughters, and as you said, knowing that there are so many things that are happening in the world that are truly unjust and unfair. And I think that's part of what's important about today's show is not just highlighting Dining for Women and your own personal journey in this, which is awesome, but to bring awareness to people out there who really still don't understand that these things are happening. And sometimes they are happening very nearby to them. Of course, our show goes out to 132 countries, so the impact that this might have can be very powerful, and that's what I'm hoping for today, that someone will hear this story and your message and they will find a way to get involved and to do something and to become more aware of the things that are happening around us that are unjust and unfair and if we don't come together they will never change. Exactly Angela, something that I've learned and I talk with people all the time is that little little bit of money 
collectively becomes a huge amount of money and makes such a difference. And many people will say, oh, well, once I win the lotto, once I get my job, once I make more money, uh, it's always, you know, you're always waiting for something Mm -hmm. when you don't really realize that $5 collectively throughout three countries ends up being quite a lot of money and it's just dining together and all of us women collectively empowering one another. I mean, the women I have met at these meetings, every time I go to a meeting, I meet a new woman or several new women who are doing also other things with us domestically and internationally. And we have, it's like going to a university and getting a cultural experience every month. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And that leads right into my next question. Tell the audience, if you will, what are the types of women that are part of this organization? As you said, it's throughout the U.S., in Canada and Mexico. So I'm assuming there's got to be some amazing women and very culturally diverse women in the group as far as age goes, um, the level of income, education. Can you share some of the that data with us? Oh, sure. It's very diversified. So it's all about just being a woman showing up for our meetings and joining us in empowering one another as well as women in other countries. So we have women who are stay-at-home moms, and some of our chapter leaders in different States and cities are stay-home moms and busy, and there's soccer moms, and they're doing everything that a responsible, loving mother would do, and some of them have never traveled outside of even their own city, mm-hmm. but because they're learning about what's happening to our fellow sisters, or I call them our global sisters, that they're realizing that their, their impact on their community and educating other women... I have not traveled to some of the countries that we have been um, donating money to, but I feel like every month I have, I get to travel to Haiti, I get to go to Peru, I get to go to India, I get to have this enriched experience, although it's very bittersweet because it's very sad Mm -hmm. when you see the statistics, but at the same time, we have women that are very well-traveled that really understand and enrich each one of us at these different meetings. But it could be very diverse. Like I said, there are women who've never even left their own cities that attend our meetings. It doesn't, you don't, there's no qualifying sort of um, agenda. Just come and and have an open heart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's important to emphasize because I've found that working with various organizations and women in general, there's often a stigmatism attached to being a part of a group or a club or an organization, those types of things. And I think that is so unfair for people to look at the groups and the organizations in that manner. But to just step out there and take a chance to find a group to go and see what happens. I think that you really sell yourself short if you think that you won't fit in, that you won't meet a certain standard, because really there's organizations such as yours and groups of women and men who get together and really, as you said, collectively have a powerful impact on the world. Exactly, Angela, and well said. My first meeting that I went to 
I was very impressed at some of the women that asked questions during the presentation, some of the women that actually had visited the particular country that we were um, supporting. And, and knowing that I had not had that enriched experience, I just enjoyed listening and learning. And of course, like anything, if you've never really been involved in a type of international grassroots organization such as Dining for Women, it's going to be new and you're going to learn and it may be a little unfamiliar because you're trying to understand the different cultures and terminology and the processes, but it's very enriching. And for example, my daughters are now thinking about starting their own chapters and one lives down near Malibu Beach in California, one's up the East Bay in California, and they're so taken by my passion and my wanting women to all have equality, safety in our you know, country and in our world. Now it's impacted my daughters and their friends and so on. It's very systemic. Mm-hmm. I love that. Great. That is so awesome to hear. And I especially love to hear when younger people are getting involved and learning about ways that they too can step up to the plate and make a difference. Because it is, in fact, their future that we're leaving behind when we go on. And um, I think that's important to set a good role model, a good example, and to, again, create the platform for awareness and education because really everything boils down to that. If we're not educating ourselves about what's happening in our own neighborhood, in cities and towns across the U.S. and the world globally, we really are missing out not only on enriching experiences, experiences and other people, but on opportunities to serve and help and give in some manner. Exactly, and it kind of has this, what I call, a purchase for a purpose, mm-hmm. where, where we're, you kind of think of that you're investing your little monies that become big monies, and you have a purpose. And I think when it boils down to human nature, we feel better about ourselves when we have a purpose, when we have something that is bigger than we are mm-hmm. so that we're not focused. Many people will ask me, Tamara, why are you involved in just international? What about your neighbors? What about your community? Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I welcome that question because, again, Dining for Women has this powerful, I want to say, a duplicity mm-hmm. where – I am impacting my community because I am part of, again, this educational circle of women where we're learning, Mm -hmm. then we're sharing, and most of these women that I meet are still volunteering at their local schools, are still, for instance, several of us during Christmas time went to a shelter where women escape from domestic violence, and we help the children wrap gifts for their parents, and that was just beautiful. So... Mm -hmm. You're around, and I, this word probably is really used a lot, but you're around like-minded souls and spirits. Mm-hmm. So it's not linear. It's it global, really. It really is. That totally makes sense. And I think it really is all about the connections that we make, you know, locally, globally, and otherwise. And there's so much that we can, again, not only do for others, but do within our own communities and to enrich our own lives. Can you share with the listeners uh, the website address and how someone would go about finding a group and then participating? 
Well, you would go to www. and it's diningforwomen.org. You can also contact us. Once you go there, there's a place to contact, and it will. if you're in the West Coast, it will come to me via email. You can also find me on Facebook, Tamara, T-A-M-A-R-A, Cuchera, C-U-C-C-H-I-A-R-A. You can find me on Facebook and ask me any questions, and I will direct you to chapter leaders. We're also creating a virtual chapter leader type of um, meeting so that women who are too busy to get to chapter meetings, women who are busy with their children or have physical challenges, transportation challenges, social challenges, we're actually creating a virtual chapter so that women can join in virtually from their computer at home. I love it. That's awesome. That's one of the best things I've heard today, I think, because I just, <laughs> I mean, and I totally get and I, you know, support definitely meeting face-to-face and having that time, especially as a woman, where we can go and connect with other women and, and have girlfriend time and all that stuff. But I know that there are plenty of women who don't have time or resources or, as you said, may have physical um, disabilities that prevent them from getting out. And I love the idea that now in our new world we can turn on our computer and find others and connect with them and see them face-to-face and chat with them. And that's just amazing. Thank you so much, Tamara, for sharing your story and for telling us more about Dining for Women I wish you the best in your endeavors, and I will definitely be participating in my local chapter, and I hope that anyone who wants to find out more information will go to the website or contact Tamara directly and find out how you can be a part of an amazing organization and make a difference in many people's lives. Thank you so much, Angela. I feel blessed and honored to have this time with you and your listeners. Thank you.